0: So welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored as always by Axis Communications, and thanks always to our supporting partner 3 X Logic. also. Now, my guest this week, many of you will recognize, is Gary Tattersall. Now, Gary was formerly the Director of Asset Protection Risk Management at Jack Wills, and has recently become the Managing Director for RF Keeper, going vendor side, and more on that in a moment. Now, having left the police, Gary joined Wilco's, Wilkinson's, uh, uh, to learn his trade as an LP professional, and it was early actually during his career that I first met Gary when he was on stage several times at retail risk events, um, started to, uh, to sort of put his name out in the industry and even now still hosting work streams and roundtables, and continues to give back to the industry. Now Gary's an advocate of the total loss strategy, Completing his master's in security and risk management at Leicester University. A huge wealth of experience in the retail sector, having led loss prevention, brand protection, inventory control, health and safety at Jack Wills and more, and I'm sure there's a whole raft of other areas that I've not covered as well. Um, Gary was well known for introducing numerous policies, procedures, solutions, all to reduce loss and mitigate risk globally and all of the business that he has been at. Now, Gary was also the strategic lead behind Jack Wills' global RFID implementation programme, so one of the guys that's actually been there and done it. So Gary, thank you very much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us this week. The pleasure. Thank you for the invite. Now, um, it was interesting when I was looking through your background, you realise quite how much you've done and it's hard to pick and choose a few little highlights to throw there. But way back when, young Gary sat in his short trousers, staring out of the window at school. Did you actually see yourself as the managing director of a vendor or was there something else on your horizon that you desperately wanted to do uh, as a young whippersnapper?
1: Great, great question, I love reminiscing. Um, yeah, do you know, when I was at school I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, I was sort of bumbling my way through doing different bits and I thought I wanted to be a, you know, a teacher following in family footsteps. Um, and it probably wasn't until sort of the latter part of, of schooling that I considered the police force. I was already working in the leisure industry and so really didn't know where I wanted to go. Um, Coming from a a family of academics, I felt under pressure also at school. And It wasn't until I had an interesting conversation with my father when it was about be happy, don't chase things, go and enjoy life that really I just started falling into jobs Uh, and I sort of consider that my whole career has been right place, right time, an opportunity comes up and I think I'd like to have a go at that so no 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 clear plan I don't know what I'm going to be doing tomorrow it is (laughs) uh, I I just I'm enjoying my my working life uh meeting new people uh and that's probably one of the best things that we'll touch on later about this job working
0: with so many industry leaders so yeah no idea at all and so was was the police the first stop so was there a few sort of Saturday jobs was that in retail, was that something else? Yeah,
1: absolutely. The, the police was, uh, you know, as was a 19, 20 year old who thought I'd go and, you know, and explore that industry. Um, the police back then I, I joined uh, in the sort of mid nineties. It really was a, a career that you would be expected to go in and do 30 years. So the fact that I left the police early was a shock to some people I'd picked off a couple of ranks um, and I decided it was time for a change. And people always ask, do I miss it? You know, there's parts of the job I miss, but it gave me a great foundation for coming out into well, what I call the real world. Um, but moving away from that public sector, coming in and working for organisations. Um, so, you know, do I miss it? You know, there's parts I miss. Would I do it again? Absolutely. Um, but that's what set me up for, uh, you know, for today. Uh, I learned some great skills.
0: And, and so did you say, okay, I'm going to, leave the police then having left go right i now need to find a job or did you see a few opportunities and think oh if i was to leave the police that would be of interest to it which way round was it for you
1: yeah again you know there's a couple of stories here but the police for me is a young person's game um, you know when i was 20 years old and you're talking about fast cars being an armed response person being a detective sergeant it's all glamorous it's all fun when you settle down you get married and you have children and you think do i want to be working nights do i want to be dealing with the sticky end of society all the time um then i decided i would have i would have a look to what's out there and actually it happened very quickly um, i put a speculative cv out there and for those amongst us that remember mick phipps at uh, Wilcos, we're going back a-, a few years sort of reached out and said you know come and have a chat so didn't really know Wilkinsons, believe it or not, even though they're a high street name. Um, didn't know whether I actually wanted to leave the police. So as I said at the beginning, my, my career really has been made up of a gut feeling when I, when I go and talk to somebody. And so I took the plunge and left uh, and, and started that career learning the LP trade, as you, as you said in your introduction. And actually, it sends me with shivers when I think back to one of the first times I, I presented at Retail Risk, how... Nervous I was looking around the room with all the experience, and then uh, after that introduction, I realised probably people are looking around at me as the inexperienced as, as the experience now, and how much I've grown up over the years. So it's a bit of a shock uh, when you start reminiscing over your career like this.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. You say you'd never been into Wilkinson's. Yeah, I, 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 you're far too highbrow to even have gone into Wilkinson's <laughs> as a young man. Yeah, it was only, uh, yeah, hence the reason you ended up at. Uh, you know, Jack Wills, it was a brand more in keeping with your uh, stature in society. So, I mean, you went through Wilkinsons. I mean, a very, very diverse business, some interesting challenges there. And then did you feel it was then were you looking around, Jack Wills came along, you know, when you went to Jack Wills, I know you and I spoke at the time, you felt really empowered that business and you did some amazing stuff there. Um, you know, was that, did you think it was time to move on? How did the Jack Wills role come about?
1: Yeah, I think I I heard. um, I decided that I wanted more than working at Wilkinson's. I I enjoyed it. I'd learnt my trade, and actually, that's when I thought I need to stand out from the crowd. Um, I didn't really like uh, being a loss prevention professional that just relied on being an ex-copper. I don't actually think there's a a natural fit of just being a police officer. You deserve a role as an LP professional. That's why I decided to do my master's so that I could stand out, I could go and get that head of department role that, you know, I decided I'd wanted. And actually, he was sort of a, a bit of, a, you know, mentor through my career, who's uh, been Retail Director of the Year with, with you guys, Colin Cullerton rang me. He had uh, been at Jack Wills doing some consultancy and said, get down here, literally tomorrow, come and have an interview. And uh, again, it was a uh, a wonderful opportunity and so I, I grabbed it with both hands um so yeah that that was my my move onto uh, into the retail space into that fashion world and, and truly exciting yes uh, an entrepreneurial business very different from the regimental uh part of the police force from working for a big corporate um, organization like will Coast, to working with a very entrepreneurial business uh, you know owner-led still and and extremely empowered to make those changes and to make changes very quickly to a completely different pace uh, to anything I'd worked in before.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned there, you know, going and getting the masters. So, you know, things like that, as well as, you know, having your name associated with the RFID rollout as well. I mean, they're real standout, you know, accolades. Yeah, and, and you managed to not only undertake both, but succeed at both as well. So we have to give you credit for that. And everybody's managed to, to come out of the other side of, of those too just with you know what else stands out i know you said it was an entrepreneurial business but when you look back at your time in jack wills what do you think you're most sort of proud of if you like for for what you achieve there
1: yeah do you know it, it's when you leave a business or an organization or you move on to your next job you want to be able to say what was your legacy what did i leave what, what's still in in that organization that gary tassel was able to impact and actually it's linked to the masters it's linked to um to, to rfid to inventory management but it's about being able to provide value to a business. So in retail, everybody's talking about the top line, driving sales. Uh, and traditionally in an LP world, I think you know, people think they're there to protect the bottom line. What I wanted to do was to take the business on, on a journey to understand that whilst protecting the bottom line, we can also obviously drive sales. Uh, so we make the business more profitable from both ends um and so it was educating people taking people on that journey I'm not with a big stick i'm not an advocate of that big stick lp 20 years ago it really was when i walked into a store for people want you know team members wanting to greet you into the store because they knew you were going to add value not because you were going there to catch them out um and so for me it was changing the ethos of the business to make loss an exciting thing to be talking about Shrink and, uh, and those types of things.
0: And that's quite a transformation because you're right. You know, there was a time, yes, it was the ex copper that came in and did the senior role, but they were really the no department, weren't they, or the catch you out department. So to have somebody with your background coming in and actually be welcome into the the stores, you know, I think you were there, there was a shift within the industry. And yeah. I think I have to say, you know, outside looking in, you, know, you were at the forefront of that shift. Um, some are probably still waiting to catch up, but it's kind of the norm now, if you like, as to, as to how things operate. So, huge success at, at Jack Wills, and now we find you—you've gone vendor side, uh, uh, and unlike some that have gone before, you've gone vendor side. You're still, you know, huge profile. You're still invited to to speak and contribute on the circuit. RF Keeper, I'll allow this is this is the point. Give us an overview <laughs> of that business what it does and what, what you do there.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting one having left, left Jack Wills. As you say, I, I mean, I, I did implement RFID globally there. And so that's the transition. Um, I used the RF Keeper platform. Um, I've taken on the role as managing director for Europe. Um, we're looking to expand our operation, not only into Europe now, it's moving into the US and other um, geographical parts of the globe with, with many deployments already. Um, I think one of the key things for me, you know, you talk about their staying relevant and still having a profile. I'm not a salesman. Um, I'll sell something because I'm hugely passionate about it. And I'm able to take that passion and bring that to RF Keeper to give back to our customers, which is and I understand that because I was a retailer. So I talk their language and I'm able to now take lots of retailers on that journey um, around our solutions. So yes, it's RFID, but it's not just RFID. We are a solutions provider to retailers to help them manage and ex- expose their supply chain so that they can drive sales. And that's so rewarding to be able to now go in uh, at the sticky end of a business and to completely not transform the way they work. Because the key thing is that our solution has to fit in with the way they work, but we give them new tools to understand their business, to better engage with their customers uh, and ultimately to help drive in those sales. And and I just find that hugely rewarding. Um, you know, my CEO will be listening to this saying, you should be saying more, I'm not a salesman. This is about, I don't want to go and try and sell something to our customers. You know, when I talk to them, they understand the benefits of their business and they want to go on that journey. And again, that's hugely rewarding
0: well and and so with that sort of if you like non-sales consultative approach what does your day-to-day look like you know is it literally just talking to people you know you you sit down in the morning you open the laptop you know your butler brings your cup of tea for yeah. you in the morning you know what 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 takes up your time what, what what is the sort of the journey at the minute yeah
1: and and you know with a, a business
0: like this it's another entrepreneurial business it's a business that's
1: moving. Uh, extremely fast uh, pace so for me now um, it's it's very different to anything i've had to do you know we're looking at setting up a uk entity we're looking up uh, we're looking and starting to build our team so at the moment it's about recruitment it's it's giving us more bandwidth more diversity within the team to be able to operate in different verticals so whilst the business is famous for being a solutions provider for fashion during lockdown we might as well talk about COVID because it's still about at the moment we know we had to diversify so you know for me it's about looking at more opportunities for the business outside of retail let's not have all of our eggs in one basket but let's look at healthcare let's look at within the, the food and beverage arena let's look within manufacturing and we've just won some really nice contracts within those arenas which is you know, really quite exciting.
0: Yeah I mean amazing I was going about to say you know what specific projects or challenges that you may be trying to solve for prospects or clients at the minute but you know the fact that you've gone outside of retail I didn't know that and that that is incredibly yeah. impressive as well so yeah any any insights you can share or little little snippets
1: yeah I I, I think you know I, I you have uh, various tracks with, within your shows and we've been talking over the years about retailers who are multi-channel retailers that have become Omni-channel retailers, and I think now those those sayings, those those buzzwords, and now we've moved on and we're into endless aisle. Now we're talking about you know that a specific item, making sure that we can find this shirt through every medium available, and that's no different to without dropping names. If I'm selling a piece of chicken, you know, we want to understand where that is within the supply chain, so that particular brand never runs out of chicken again. And it doesn't matter if I'm tracking a big yellow digger around their site, it's making sure that all of those component parts are in the right place at the right time to make them more efficient, ultimately making sure that we generate the sales for them. So it's actually taking those learnings from retail all those years, from even the time at Willco from the time at Jack Wills, and it's amazing how they transfer into other verticals. Uh, And it really, to date, it doesn't matter what that vertical is. Obviously, if it's within, you know an online retailer yes you were still talking about fashion but outside of those verticals they still face similar problems within supply
0: chain that retailers do yeah and i guess ultimately you know, everything is a retail environment isn't it to a degree it's somebody having something right place right time to supply so you know if the solution works in retail it, it should should work in a whole raft of, of other industries but yeah it helps you rise the you know, ride the up and downs of uh, of economics as well now i want to talk to you about um you know personally you've operated at the top of you know numerous retail businesses and the vendor industry and maybe about what you think you know the qualities are but before we do in time honored fashion we're just going to take a 30 second break here from our sponsors and then we'll be back for every type of business the power of a data-driven security video management system, designed to give you total control anywhere, anytime. Three X Logic. So, welcome back to this week's edition of the Retail Podcast. I'm of course still talking to Gary Tattersall now of RF Keeper. Now, Gary, just before that break, there you were giving us some really, uh, you know, useful and uh, an exciting insight about other verticals that RF Keeper have gone into. But one of the things that stands out for me about your career is that you've continued to operate over a decade or two uh, at the top of uh, multiple retail industries, but now also having gone vendor side. I would say you occupy quite a unique position in the fact that I think most people still see you as a retailer, even though you're now providing solutions. What sort of qualities do you think, sort of a modern leader in this? field in this arena needs to have and really it's kind of turned the mirror on you and you know what qualities do you either work on or you think you've got that's allowed you to operate at that senior level
1: yeah it's, it's, it, yeah good question do you know i still see it myself as a retailer and uh, you know when i am talking to retailers that's when i'm at my most happiest you know when i'm talking about different verticals when i'm talking about how do we increase a seat spend uh, and all of those great things within retailers i still really enjoy it um but what do I think is the key to my success uh, and how do I operate at this level? I think it's, you know, I'm not the font of all knowledge uh, and I never proclaim to be. Uh, and for me, it's about surrounding myself with great people. So within Jack Wills, yes, I led uh, a number of departments, as you spoke about, but I had a holistic view of those departments, but great people, um, and it, it goes right back when I think about this now I haven't given it any thought but you know you talk about not wanting to catch people out mm. it's about giving people the right tools to be able to succeed mm. um and so I enjoy taking people on a journey as I said so taking my team on a journey so that they become experts in their field taking my customers on a journey so that they become successful and they want to do is where I get my satisfaction if it makes me look good on the way then that's really helpful if it you know especially if i get the next job so yeah. I, I really think it's about empowering people it's about understanding um what their needs are to help drive an organization and the button doesn't just stop with me you know this is a you know, it needs to be a team to be successful
0: yeah i must admit i love the enthusiasm about you know being sales focused yes of course you know, you can make a small incremental improvement on stock availability, which leads to you know, reducing shrink. But, you know, without sales, there is nothing else, is there? You know, that, that, that is it, it starts and it stops with, with achieving that. So, yeah, the enthusiasm for, for that part of the business is, is cool. I'm just going to jump back very quickly to your retailer time, if I may. And it, it's something mm. that uh, came out in a conversation uh, earlier this week. From a a retailer perspective, and and, and a few people have asked me what the norm is, was there what was your go to magic? And by that, I mean, you know, there you are within Wilco or Jack Wills. What's the one piece of technology or the one solution you had, you the biggest benefit within a business? So if you were to say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to go back into a retail business, and you look down the the arsenal of available technology and you go oh they've not got x or they've got x and that's just what we need what 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 was gary's go-to magic for for understanding the the business
1: yeah and and again you know i I say i'm not a salesman but it's going to sound like a sales pitch because here i am at rf keeper and i'm going to say rfid and the the reason i'm going to say rfid is because i truly believe it impacts every part of an organization so When I when I go to Jack Wills and I invest in CCTV, you know, I'm I'm reducing stock loss. Uh, It'll have an impact on health and safety. We can put cameras in the right place for slips and spillages and all of those great things. But with RFID, I'm impacting the finances of the business. I'm improving the operational workflows. I'm making the teams more efficient. I'm helping to drive sales. You know, loss prevention professionals are running around. I did it. You're running around the country. You're deploying teams into into a a store because it's got high shrink. But we know as a retailer, our our files depreciate by about 2% per week, depending on which study you look at. Twice a year, my file's 40% inaccurate. Mm. And I suddenly think, oh, we need more CCTV. We need more guards. No, you need to understand your file. You need to understand your supply chain. You need to no longer chase rainbows. You might have been chasing wooden dollars, but you know i'm I'm sending large volumes of teens spending re- spending money to try and solve a problem that actually isn't there. The problem is it's internal. Uh, and like I said I'm an advocate of, of the total retail shrink that from Adrian Beck, but you know he says that you've got external theft, internal theft, and, and process failings roughly in an organization, they would be equal. You know, far from it from what I've seen actually your internal processes they're the easiest ones to go after and they're the ones that cause you the biggest problems so not a sales pitch but actually once I've sorted that out I'm now integrating with marketing because marketing want to use not just RFID but all the other technologies that we sell whether it's QR solutions to interact with their customers so now I'm, I'm touching the customer and I'm engaging with them and we want to move into the fitting room solutions we understand now so i'm talking to garment tech why is this shirt gone in there 20 times but no one's bought it is it because it's a nap color or is it because it's ill-fitting so i truly when i introduced rfid i got to know my whole business and so whilst i introduced many policies and procedures whilst i drove down shrink whilst i was able to improve productivity with other products and other solutions it was this one solution that i had the biggest impact from Um, and so for me it was to date the most exciting deployment or most exciting project I've ever been involved in and so now to be able to have that with other customers I'm reliving what I really really enjoyed and got so much enthusiasm from so much job satisfaction
0: from from the years that it took me to deploy it globally at Jack Wills. Yeah and, and yeah I asked that almost expect you to say that but I know you're honest enough that if there was something else you'd have said that as well even though you know where you are now but it does feel as if you know RFID had potential for many years it was kind of a it was it was the kid in school that had potential but never quite you know got the top top prize or won the award but over the last few years there is some installations out there that does feel as if RFID has probably now arrived And you have to look back at some of the claims and the advertising when RFID first came on the scene Um, uh, and it was a little bit yeah I think the marketing department went a bit crazy didn't they with some of the the claims in the first instance but it feels like it's landed people that have got it you know increased stock availability and you're right unless that stock file is correct and you can identify what you've got and what you've not got then it's incredibly hard to build a a retail business and certainly if you're going to start doing click and collect or ship from store or those kind of things so um at some point i'll tell my story about ordering two very expensive pcs on click and collect for my two children and arriving only to find out that the two in stock had both been returned because they were faulty and the stock file hadn't been updated so that was a significant piece of business that that well-known retailer didn't get and that went to somewhere else because we'd gone to pick up birthday presents. Anyway, yeah, exactly. Been, yeah, yeah that's the story. But You're my yeah, new it,
1: marketing manager. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they need a piece of software. I need to introduce you to them. <laughs> they've actually made a huge cock up on something else as well. And I tried to find <laughs> as well. So they still clearly not solved the problem. So uh, that, that TV is now coming from a pure online retailer, despite my best efforts. Anyway, um, look, those little stories aside, um, you know, huge retail experience. As you stare out onto the retail landscape, what's your take on the future for retail? Are you optimistic for the high street? Do you know, where where is you, you know you're in this unique position at the moment. You've seen a lot of things. You know, what what what's your what's your take on on the current uh, environment out there and and opportunities or otherwise for rf Keeper as well in that mix?
1: Yeah, I, I think. I think the high street is still a pretty ugly place at the moment. You know, if I walk down my local high street, there's lots of empty shops. So, from a personal point of view, you know, that that's that's worrying uh, as an individual. I want I want to see people back out on the high street. Um, I think you know, online's here; it's here to stay. But we're seeing lots of those big online retailers also venturing into bricks and mortar. And so, I think I think retailers need both. I, I don't think it is a, a you know just online or just bricks and mortar. I think everybody realises that you. Need both so i'm i'm optimistic that the high street is going to come good again um you know is it going to be back to its glory days i don't know but you know i certainly still think there's a place for, for the high street for rf keeper uh, to answer that part of your question we are seeing a lot of online retailers looking at rfid now so that they can further exploit the strong position that they're already in um, and we're seeing those retailers in lockdown that suffered because they didn't have an online presence, and they had to shut the doors for however many months. That are now all of a sudden trying to get that online presence, and we're having conversations with those about the importance of needing to have that file accuracy that you just spoke about to ensure that you you you, you capture every sale. Mm. And it, it goes beyond that, doesn't it, as well that if you were able to make the, the sale on that TV, when you're in the store, there's that opportunity to upsell. Mm. Um, and that's a missed opportunity for those retailers. So I think not only have they missed the sale of the TV, but they potentially missed the sale of whatever you would w- want to buy uh, as, a, as an add-on to the mm. TV. So it's really, really important for retailers to make sure that they understand their supply chain, they understand their stock position, to be able to capture every sale. And if we can capture every sale, and we'll increase that customer's experience to drive them back out onto the high street and into our stores.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right. And I was buoyed recently Zara announcing that uh, is it one pound 95 to return an online order mm-hmm. back online, but no charge. If you take it into the store um, for the return, I thought it was a bold move Yeah, uh, uh, and and possibly uh, genius. So we'll see whether uh, everybody follows suit, but again, you know great experience for the customer makes you want to pop back into the store to return because that 195 will be an issue for some people or people won't want to pay it so yeah to your point about driving people to the to the right places and capturing every sale if they're then returning in store impulse purchases we're back to good old-fashioned retailing good merchandising stock availability well-trained staff you know Shock, shock horror, you know, these things work. <laughs> Engaging with people face to face. We've all craved
1: it over lockdown. Um, yeah. and, and some people really want to be back out in those stores and, and getting that customer advice um, so, from those sales assistants. So yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, like you say, you know, those retailers that have remembered how to retail will flourish. And there's a few that seem to have forgotten how to sell during the process. And you know, yeah. the pain will continue to go. Gary, always a pleasure. Uh, love talking to you. Thank you very much for the for the run through. And the insight. We're so glad that you didn't uh, go down the family uh, pure play academic <laughs> route, uh, and, uh, and 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 went down the path that you did. But for now, thank you very much for taking the time to join me. And we'll see you in person very soon, I'm sure. Pleasure. Thanks, Paul.